Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yo, Dizzy, do you play a little baseball? Yeah, what's up? You think you can get yourself maybe an MVP this year, my man? I don't think so. Well, check it out, all right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got a World Series ring. You, you got, got an MVP. Your mother buys a crack from Daryl Strawberry. You played with the Yankees. You, you got, got a big head. head. Your, Your sister, sister is a hoe. I shagged her in my bed. How about your baseball card for a dime on eBay? You hit two home runs. You think you're Willie Mays. Your contract sucks. You can't afford cable. Got your pumpkin head bounced off a ping pong table. You tell a team man. You tell a team man. You can't play ball, but you think you can. A left field, a right field, you can't get a hit. You think you're a player, but you ain't worth Oh, yeah. What's up now? Are you a player now, my boy? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. 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 Tell him, I mean. You think you're a starter, but, but you, you ain't worth jack. Because you'll be on the bench when a rusty comes back. You walk around the clubhouse, loving the Lord. A typical cracker. Driving 85 Accord. You got in the scrap with a Derek Jeter. A Rick Cerrone says you got a small Peter. I saw you yesterday at the baseball yard. A doggy took a shit on your baseball card. Utility man, utility man. You can't play ball, but you think you can. A left field, right field, you can't get a hit. You think you're a player, but you ain't worth now are you a player, Dizzy D? I don't think you is, I mother. Think look pretty good to me. What's up? That was all. Ow! Peace out, y'all. Corby, you got to spend the weekend uh, getting to know your hero and the man, the person at the top of his genre, and I got to do the same. According to uh, Pornhub.com's rankings, I spent my Friday night with the number one adult film actress in the world right now, and I, I'm better for it. That must be the one and only Stormy. <laughs> You're damn right. All right, so let's set this up for those who don't know, because we were running ads for this on the station. She played a couple of different shows, correct? Like one in Dallas, one in Fort Worth at the same club? Uh, yeah, I guess there's, they have two separate locations. And I know that it sounds like I'm probably trying to put up a front here, but I'm honestly not a strip club guy. If you are, that's fine. I just don't have a lot of experience in this regard. My knowledge of her is through the news and through about 15 years of Internet porno. <laughs> Uh, so to sort of give you some background on what a noob I am at this game, uh, I had to draft with Norm on Friday night. I did not come to laugh. That was for afterward. I got home at about 1130 and needed to take an Uber, and I just put Bucks in my phone, and I showed up at a place called Bucks, and it is uh, apparently a different strip club of the same owner named Bucks Cabaret. Uh, I was at the wrong place. Did you make it back to the real one in time? Uh, yeah, so she did two sets, in, in, like in Fort Worth and in Dallas. The Fort Worth one was at 11. The first one was at 11. I knew I was going to miss that already. Um, so when I get to this other place at like 11.45, I knew I had time, but I wasn't sure how far away the other one was because I didn't know there were two. And so I called my Uber right back, and the guy basically just circled the parking lot, came back around, same Uber, 
And when I got back in, he goes, you're looking for the bottomless one, aren't you? (laughs) I was like, I guess. So they got bucks at Bucks Wild, huh? Yeah, yeah. And and at Bucks Wild, I guess, ergo, it gets a little more wild. And uh, so I got there at, like, noon. Again, I can't really compare it to a normal crowd on a Friday night because I've never been to this place. I I don't know. It was full, but not, like, you know, annoyingly crowded like it just like the tables were all full but it wasn't like you just felt like it was just overflowing with people coming to see her it may have just been a normal friday night for all i know what did it cost to get in i know that you may have had a a hookup but do you know what it actually cost no you know i'm the worst because i don't even think about whenever i hear ads for something that we might have an ability to get some sort of uh as you said hookup i didn't even think about it and so we bought a table between five guys for 210 bucks. Okay, so that's reasonable. Yeah, so, and it's BYOB, too, so you're not spending a bunch of money uh, on, on your drink or anything like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it was 210 We paid, we split it five ways. The table was comfortably, you know, five people. And I would say there was not a, a table that was empty or a seat that was empty, but there wasn't, like, people just standing around, like, general admission style like blocking, you know, the arteries throughout the place. Like it was, it was pretty comfortable, but full at the same time. Was that because they wouldn't let them in, or they just weren't there? You know, I'm not really sure. I didn't hear that it was so. I think it was a good night. For them. I just don't know what, like, what a great night or what, you know. I really, yeah. honestly, don't know. But yeah. Uh, so the first set, which I missed, TC Fleming uh, did not miss because <laughs> he showed up at nine o'clock when they opened. Uh, <laughs> He was like, look, if I'm paying 45 bucks, I'm going to be there, you know, waiting like it's a Thursday night release of the Avengers. <laughs> and he got he got in right when they opened, and uh, as did a couple of my other buddies. And he told me that the first set she came out to uh, Little Red Riding Hood. What is that? Sam Sham something from, from the 60s. Oh, right? Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Pharaohs. Right, Whoa. right. Uh, dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. And in the second set, the one that I saw, and here's what happens. Like, so normally How long is the set? I think it's like, it was maybe like 15, 20 minutes. Like four That's or five it? Minutes. Well, what do you want yeah. her to do? But she did two of them. Yeah, she's not going to do like, it's not, it's not Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a Grateful Dead show. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not like she's going to get up there and gig for four hours. And, and seriously, <laughs> after about ten minutes, you're kind of like, all right, I get it. Yeah, no, she knows how to feel. She was, she knew exactly what the crowd wanted and didn't want, right? So, like, uh, the second set, everyone kind of stands up from their table and goes to the stage, right? Like the big stage that goes through most of the club. Mm-hmm. And I would say even at that point, it was probably only, like, too deep. So, like, if you wanted to be, like, right up on the stage, like, the first person there, right next to her, you could. And so everyone kind of stands up and goes up there. The second song, she came out to uh, the Lenny Kravitz version of American Woman and uh, had, like, a kind of a red, white, and blue, like, type motif on. And I don't know if they did this during the first one, but during the second set, the one I saw, she has her own hype man. Like, the regular strip club guy is not her guy. She brings in, like, her own people. Yeah. And whenever she, uh, he's doing the setup for her, one of his notes was, Ed now. The subject of the most watched 60 minutes interview of all time. <laughs> and then here comes Stormy. And I'm like, what? This is because I live for sex scandals. Like, that's where Mike and I, you know, have this in the same regard. Like, if it was just some adult film star, I would not have gone. Like, it's the fact that she's in the news. You right. know, she had slept with a golfer or a president. 
or yeah, like a guy who was in charge of like a bank based out of Houston or something. I would have gone yeah. for that. Also, if this is you know? if this is Barbara Dare, okay. But Barbara is, Dare? Yeah, this is not Barbara Dare. This <laughs> Jake was probably from four. the 40s. No, from the eighties, but still. This is, like this, but this, Lewinsky, this is not right? Barbara Dare. This is Stormy. Right. Yeah. Like I, I. That's what I'm there for. And, and I, you know, she came out. She. It's really, really weird to see somebody in person that you've only seen, probably level one on television and level two like in adult films. Like Saroy has a friend, right? That we've yeah. probably all seen in person, and it's really weird the first time you see them and you think that's a that's an actual person, <laughs> right? A person that I've only seen surrounded by, you know, dudes or women, whatever. That's an actual person, and to see them come out and be like three feet from your face, it is super surreal. So what did she? Uh, so it's just like a regular strip tease where she's doing her thing and and guys are giving put money in her g string. Yeah, there was a lot of that, but also uh, one member of my traveling party, uh, local local musician, I'll leave uh-huh. it at that. Don Henley? He paid, I think, 20 <laughs> Yeah, it was Don Henley. He paid $20 <laughs> for the, uh, like, 22nd motorboat. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Hell yes. Like, that's really all it took. Like, in, as I was watching him do it, I'm like, why am I not doing that? And I think I would have felt kind of weird about that, but still, like, I don't know that. that I feel like Man, should should have made a hundred bucks off of me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. And, the 22nd uh, motorboat, and that's how long yeah. it really was. Was 20 seconds? That's pretty awesome. I mean, I felt like it was two hours because I was like the whole thing was in slow motion for me. So it may have been 10 seconds. I'm guessing 20, but I was I was locked in. Can you imagine um, like uh, the next day having to get up and go to work or something, and you got stormy boob glitter all over your face. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, of course I can imagine. That's what I was imagining the next day is I'm kicking myself for not paying like, like $20. That's nothing. She also did this really uh, this bit that again, maybe this is normal and I've just never seen it, but she like doused herself in white hot candle wax. Ouch. Oh. Uh, to sort of create an affect, if you will. We get it, so to speak. Well, she had uh, Interesting. gone down to the nothing, and then she kind of, like, bathed it off of herself. So and wait. Like that, she was gone. And then a guy comes out with a laundry basket. It's not like they have some special strip club cash thing. He just comes out with, like, the normal freshman dormitory laundry basket and starts picking up all the cash. So you, wow. you said this place is bottomless bottom. Did she adhere to the dress code? Bottom. Yeah. She, she did? did? Yeah. Now, I wow. Like, did y'all play ping know. pong? <laughs> not, not in Thailand. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not really trying to get like a close-up view of the front of the front portion of any human, right? So that yeah. was not something I focused on, but I from the back you could tell that there was nothing. Oh boy. Nothing going on there. This sounds lurid and scandalous. It did, and okay. It done. We all just kind of sit there for like 15 minutes, like our team just got like beaten the playoffs or something. Like nobody says anything to one another. <laughs> it felt like, like Game Six. Like, yeah, like, we're just sitting there, like, what the hell just happened? Well, this sounds pretty fantastic. I wish I would have gone. You could have gone easily. I needed you there. You blew it. I needed you there. You really blew this, you know? I know. I know, so to speak. I, no. Gotta go. The other. The other. Okay. The last funny thing is when you go outside to like smoke cigarettes. 
that's where all the strippers congregate in like the cigarette pen. And and they're out there, you know, G-string topless. And you can hear them talking not only about one another, but about what they thought of Stormy. You know, oh, so they're no. like, I, I could have done that. I heard she's making $15,000 this weekend. So oh, they're taking no. home, you know. That was, that was a, a nice cherry on top. If, so um, to speak. The ticket. All right, there's a story about out there pertaining to one guy who is in the NFL already and is making already made a big name for himself. Another guy who's about to come into the NFL and is one of the top draftees who is his brother. But these two have quite a family connection, as we found out today. And I knew nothing about this. And I did no, not this either. Is the best, this is the best story to come out of the draft. And we're speaking of Nick and Joey Bosa. Nick in the league. Joey will be in the league. Selected second nice overall. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, 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 yeah. Um, Nick was taken second overall by the 49ers, and Joey is with the, the Chargers. But anyway, those two have a very interesting family history. Their great-grandfather, and John Wertheim sent me this story. He of Sports Illustrated, and I asked him, how did you know this? How did you find out about this and he said I was aware uh, of the connection but had no idea that their great grandfather the Bose's great grandfather was by all accounts even though you don't know his name like you do Al Capone the most powerful mobster of the 20th century if you follow that world at all you know this name I mean when I saw this name I knew exactly who he was talking about the difference is though that this guy was smart, whereas Al Capone loved the glory, loved the limelight, loved being Al Capone. This guy did everything he could to stay on the down low. And for that reason, the only way you know his name is if you follow this stuff pretty closely. Well, uh, Tony Accardo is their great-grandfather, is the Bosa brothers' great-grandfather. They there never met him. He died in 1992. So he was gone by the time the kids were born, the great-grandkids were born. But, you know, Bosa's dad, the Bosa's dad played in the NFL. And then the dad. you know da- that? Yeah, I knew that. Um, that's fairly well documented. But he was drafted by the Dolphins. And in that same draft, the Dolphins took uh, a guy named Eric Kumarau, who was a linebacker from Ohio State. Again, Kumarau, his father and uncle had been NFL offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Bosa befriended Kumarau, Kumarau, I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Bosa, the elder Bosa, befriended um, his teammate and then ended up marrying Kumarau's sister, Cheryl. And then they had the Bosa kids. And the Kumarau connection is that that name is connected to Tony Accardo. And that is how that is their great grandfather. How is that and, name connected? Uh, because Kumarel's what is it? Mom's dad. Okay. Was Tony Accardo. Okay. Got it now. So that's that, the great grandfather. Yeah, reading that article, that's I was having a little hitch and putting those pieces together. 
Yeah. Got it. So Kumarau came along. He was born in 1906. I'm sorry, Accardo. Tony Accardo was born in 1906 and dropped out of school at the age of 14 and started in Chicago and started working the streets. Started just, you know, becoming a wise guy back then and quickly fell in to Al Capone's gang, which was uh, the Chicago circuit. And he ran his way up the food chain really quickly and kind of became Al Capone's number one guy, his right-hand man. And then when Capone went away for tax evasion, Tony Accardo, he took the throne, if you will. And this all kind of coincided, by the way, and and John Wertheim puts this uh, in the article. In 1920, at the age of 14, that coincided with... uh, uh, Prohibition. 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 Mm-hmm. The Eighteenth Amendment. Yeah, and so that's when all the, these things started, and you know the Chicago Syndicate, be, you know, became this huge thing, and Al Capone came to came to power. Uh, they say that Tony Accardo took a bullet for Capone, like dove on him as he was being shot in 1926. He also says they also say that Accardo uh, helped plan the 1929 St. Valentine's Day massacre when Capone's soldiers dressed as police killed seven members of the Bugs Moran rival bootlegging gang. Uh, then, and this this all ties into pop culture, days later, Ricardo figured prominently at a dinner that had been arranged both to celebrate Capone's consolidation of power and to deal with two troublesome capos. In a scene that capos? later bastardized... Is it capos? Is, capo. it, is it not the guitar thing? Yeah, capo okay. is what you put on it's your guitar. A capo. capo is okay. a captain. <laughs> In a in a scene later bastardized in the 1987 film The Untouchables, I've had troublesome capos before. Accardo <laughs> mm-hmm. took the men out back before the main course was served and bashed their skulls in with a baseball bat. And he and got that's a the famous, That's the famous. Yeah, and he and Capone named him Joey Batters, and that name stuck. But that's the scene in The Untouchables when uh, De Niro, playing Al Capone, is walking around the dinner table talking about teamwork. And he takes the baseball bat and bashes in one of the guy's heads. That's where that came from. I had no idea that's where that came from. Uh, they say that he was a brainiac, though. That he was way more than just a, a henchman and a guy that was, that was muscle. They say that he was super smart. And like I said, after Capone was convicted for tax evasion in 31, he became the leader of the Chicago operation. And he ran it. Six decades? Yes. Six decades he ran it. Yeah. And the reason he lasted that long, like you said, is because he stayed out of the limelight. Yeah. You know, Capone sought it out. Capone loved the media. He loved the newspaper guys and everything like that. Tony Accardo did not. He did everything he could to stay on the down low. They said that, um, and he would not, if he came out in public, he would wear a hat and sunglasses. Like, he just wanted nothing yeah, to do with anybody. never gave interviews, no nothing. No, and so that's why his name was, was uh, kind of hidden. Uh, they also said that there was a Godfather scene that was cribbed from it because he would have big parties at his house because he never got out. And they say it would draw the most prominent mob figures throughout the country. And they say in a scene cribbed from the Godfather, the FBI would come survey the cars, matching license plates with names. And reportedly, Frank Sinatra showed up at the house for one of Accardo's uh, birthday parties. Of course he did. Yeah. Yes. And they say under Accardo, the Chicago outfit moved from bootlegging and assorted acts of violence to more sophisticated ventures. And it became a business. 
And the first thing that was really businesslike, again, this was all in The Godfather, was getting a stake of early Las Vegas. They got an equity stake in the Stardust Hotel. And as Wertheim puts it, it resembled a conventional business. And Accardo was the unquestioned CEO. And Another thing they did was they worked their way on the inside of labor unions. Yeah. Which made it appear even more businesslike. Yeah. He was arrested 30 different times, but he never spent one night in jail, which is absolutely amazing. And the fact that he was never – no one took a shot at him either. Man, I think that and, whole code of the John Snow, Ned Stark code, if you're going to order a hit, you better be prepared to do it yourself. And the fact that he kept his mouth shut, I think that garnered so much respect that made him untouchable with, with rivals. Maybe so. They say, though, that um, whenever he was starting to slow down in the 70s is when uh, his daughter, um, or I guess his son Eric, and started having kids, and the, the, it ended up being one of the kids was the kid that played for the Dolphins. He was a 6'6", 228 in public and watch his grandson play. And at the time, you know, I, I can't believe this wasn't a story back in the 80s. How has there the, not the been a book or a movie on this guy? I, I don't know. And how the tentacles stretch all the way now to his great-grandson to being in yeah. the NFL? And his daughter's first husband was also a football player. Yeah. yeah it's so weird. That's a- uh, they say that in Chicago, the Chicago – outfit or circuit was so big that the Chicago Sun-Times and the Tribune both had reporters specifically that would cover the mob. Mm-hmm. Their job, their only job, was to do stories on the mob. Yeah. That's how Walter Winchell made his name. <laughs> by reporting on the mob. Amazing to me. So when Kumarel, his grandson, was drafted by the Dolphins, people start to find out about it. A Miami Herald reporter um, found out about it and goes to training camp and starts asking him, like, hey, what's the deal with uh, your grandpa? And Kumaral's like, to me, he's just my grandfather and I love him. He's a great man, a caring man. I remember him coming to ball games and being with us. I never had an opinion when I would see articles in the paper. I don't believe them. Half of what you read in the paper isn't true. And this story Real quick, opens, Corby, it's, I found something in Newsweek that might not have been in that article. I don't think it was. When Kumarau was about to enter the NFL, did you know that franchises, tell me if you said this already, were reportedly concerned about the influence to outcome for the outcome of games? No. Yeah. When he was about to enter the NFL, um, the franchises were concerned that Accardo would get involved to influence the outcome of games, but Bosa's mother, Cheryl, told the Tribune that a former FBI agent reassured teams Accardo would never do something that could embarrass his grandson. Wow. This is not that long ago. <laughs> no, no, it's no, not, not, not at all. Ago. And, you know, you talk about a guy that was like, you know, stay. he doesn't sound like that after the 30s or 40s that he was like the, the muscle, the henchman, the, the, the dude that you, you know, stereotypical mobster guy. But he as was the boss. Yeah, but as Wertheim points out, when he was 71 years old, he was in California. He moved to California where it was warm, and he was robbed. They say a big group of robbers broke into <laughs> his suburban home okay. and 
he couldn't believe it. You know, nothing happened to him. And they say that within a year, he found out who did it. Ten men were dead. And according to the Chicago Tribune, this is a 71-year-old, by the way, that had this done. The uh, the men that were that uh, uh, performed the robbery, the ten men, each were found with his throat cut. One was castrated and disemboweled. His face removed with a blowtorch, a punishment imposed presumably because he was Italian and should have known better. That's a 71-year-old man that ordered that. They don't front games there, man. No. That's anyway. Pretty this, seriously deep mob ties with old Bosa. Yep. It is. I'll post this story but it, uh, on Twitter, but it's, uh, it's a great, great read. Something that I never knew of. The ticket. Okay, let's... Um, what are we doing? We're doing a little Friday fun here. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, it's either you telling your story... Because I'm not Mike. ...or us discussing Fortnite. I don't care, man. You make the call. This is this is yeah. about you two. It's your show, America. Well, since we want everybody to run away uh, to their weekend plans with a smile on their face, Fortnite would deliver that, but I think that you would deliver it even more. Okay. So a few days ago, I was hanging out with some friends, and you know how it is when you're with your buddies and you're having a couple of pops and you start reliving memories or somebody will ask you about something from your past or tell a story about their past and the topic came up. What's the stupidest thing that you've ever done when you were impaired? Yeah. And it doesn't mean like necessarily a bad choice of maybe going home with someone and realizing you probably didn't need to do that. Just just an ultimate stoner mistake. Right. And I've thought back and there's there's one that I've endured that was pretty freaking hilarious. And I wanted to tell you, I, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but I think everyone is aware that at one point in my life, I delivered pizza. Yummy pizza. Now, have either one of you ever had that as a gig? No. I've never delivered a pizza. Never delivered food, never anything no. of that nature? No, I, I ran for a law firm and would deliver documents. Okay, but you have had a job where you drive. Yes. I don't know if you know this either. In the late 80s, early 90s, there was the culture of the average pizza driver was not one of constant sobriety. <laughs> Now it's now you don't even you would never even think no. about it. But it was pretty wild, wild west and pretty rogue back then. In so much as I had a friend and I saw this happen all the time that he was one of the drivers. He would carry like a pint of Kentucky Deluxe in oh his car. God. Take a Diet Coke, pour out half of it into the street, fill up the rest of it with Kentucky Deluxe, swirl it around, and that was his drink for the night while he's driving. Yeah. I never got into that. I was never comfortable with booze and alcohol and work and all that stuff. That just wasn't really something that I, that culture. You were a smart pizza delivery I was a smart pizza delivery driver, but one night, one of my friends did happen to bring up something that will impair you that's not alcohol. Ah, yes. Acid. No. Oh. Um, Marijuana. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. And I'm not Never was, and and still am not, one of those people that is a regular, like, a, a pot You're not. Smoker. As long as I've known you for two decades, just, that is just not your thing. Not something that I'm really, that, that no. I'm into. So, if and when I would do it, it would usually hit me like a ton of bricks. 
Well, it did on this particular night, in so much where... You tinkled in the sauce. No. But I did get a delivery. I took the pizza. I went to my car and set the pizza in its bag on top of my car to fiddle around with something, get in the car, leave the pizza on top of the car. (laughs) I forget that it's even there. I drive the three miles to the house where I'm supposed to deliver the pizza, pull up. I am baked. (laughs) I mean, I don't even, I I can't believe I found the guy's house. Because you're using, you like, your, Mapsco. Yes. Mapsco. Well, you, you looked at the Mapsco back Where the hell is 43? Yeah, this was this isn't where you live, too. Okay. This is Lake Highlands. So I pull up. There's no pizza in my car, but that doesn't stop me from going and ringing the guy's doorbell. <laughs> With no pizza? No pizza. I just wanted to let you know I lost your pizza. So I go to the door. And I ring the guy's doorbell, and I'm just standing there, and just I had to have looked like. Is your hair real long? Eh, probably. Hey, man. The pants this no, night. no. He answers the door, and I just kind of look at him, and he looks at me, and he goes, "Is the uh, is the pizza maybe in the car?" <laughs> and I looked at the car, and I looked at him, and I go, "I don't know, man." <laughs> So I walk back to the car, I open the door, and I look in the car, and it's not there, and I look around, and I kind of look back at him, and I go, no, man, it's not in here. (laughs) So why did you come to my house? He stood there with this huge grin on his face and the biggest look of disbelief and confusion I've ever seen from another human being. So when you walked up to his door... Did you think that in your mind, like, you had the pizza? I did. I thought that I had a pizza okay. in my hands, but I didn't. So I go, well, I guess I'll be back in a little bit. So I went back to the shop, pull up into the parking lot, and there's the bag with the pizza in it on the ground. So, so I guess you when backed I pulled out. off, it just, like, flew off and landed yeah. in the parking lot. Did you dust it off and... <laughs> put it in your car i opened up the bag i looked in the box looked at the pizza it was perfectly intact closed the box closed the bag threw it in my car and took it back to him i didn't even make him a fresh one did he know any worse for the wear he just said thanks and i gave him his pizza and he tipped me like two bucks and i went back you walked up to a man's house during a pizza delivery without his pizza and still not ring the doorbell. I did. And then when did you realize that you didn't have the pizza? When, when, when he I said, went back to the car and looked in there and said there no, was no, no but pizza. No, you didn't have it in your hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I guess the pizza's in the car. And I kind of looked at my hands and I looked at the car and I said, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I would have been more, even if I would have been baked, I would have been mortified. Like, Oh my God! Right, I, I that's when the panic would set in. Yo, sweating! Can you imagine <laughs> you how just bad? Run away! How bad you would have been sweating? I didn't. I didn't care at the time. I just. You, I would have flown through the window like Starsky and Hutch style, you know, to get out of there. No, I just didn't care. It, <sighs> didn't, it didn't matter to me at the time. Who was the outfit that you were employed by? Are you? Are they around still? It was. I think that would have been Mister Gaddy's at okay. the time. Yeah. 
I mean, I've done some dumb stuff, but I think that's probably the biggest, like, how stupid, like, stupid. Yes. Like, that's Beavis and Butthead yes. stupid. Yes. Just <laughs> absolutely stupid. At least there wasn't a big tire tread mark in the middle of the pizza. That's true, where I ran over it. <laughs> well, okay, I'm there sorry. Was a, there was another story where um, you decided to eat a slice of pizza, right? And then he mashed the other pieces together. I was no, hungry. you didn't. I was hungry. Yeah. It was an extra large, so it was like 14 slices or something. I took a little bitty one and mashed them all together. <laughs> Where it looks a little disheveled, but still it was passable as yeah, a full extra large pizza. but if you took pizza. the time and counted it, it would have been an odd number of slices. <laughs> God, man. I know. I know. I, I was a terrible person. I was such a terrible person when I was 18, 19. I would pay $20,000 for a video of that interaction. Oh, my God. Yeah, if only they had the ring video oh, doorbell back God. then. <laughs> that would have been on the news. Just, it would have. That guy would have, like, saved Blood the video. Bloodshot Danny <laughs> pressing the ring doorbell. Like, it was almost like that you were expecting him to, to give, give you something. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my pizza? <laughs> God, dude. I know. Speaking of pizza. <sighs> that is awesome. 